who welcomed me on the scene and gave me the heads up about his little faux pas with Steve. He was sure that we would get past this glitch, but his confidence only made me figure he had a good replacement creative director in mind. Certainly many would have jumped at the opportunity. Steve Jobs was no longer at Apple, but his fame and charisma were perfectly intact. I hadn't worked with Steve before, but I did feel a connection. My mentor and boss on Apple back in L.A. was Steve Hayden, the man responsible for introducing the Macintosh computer when he worked at the ad agency Shiat Day. He was the author of Apple's 1984 commercial, the spot that turned the Super Bowl into a grand advertising event and is thought by many to be the greatest commercial ever made. I'd heard many stories from Hayden about working with Steve Jobs, and now I would be having those adventures firsthand, assuming I survived the next hour. Oddly, I had to move from Los Angeles to New York for this opportunity, even though Next was based just south of San Francisco. Steve had chosen Amorati and Puris simply because he demanded the best. He had become enamored of the advertising for both BMW, the ultimate driving machine, and UPS, we run the tightest ship in the shipping business. And he instructed his marketing people to find the agencies that did these things. Once he learned that a single agency had created both, Amirati quickly became his agency of record. So, with an ever-quickening heartbeat, I walked that long hallway to the conference room, where I took a deep breath and opened the door. There stood Steve, chatting it up with Ralph, who waved me over for the official introduction. Steve gave me a welcoming smile. Our conversation started while we were still shaking hands. So, I hear you've been doing the ads for Apple, he said. I took that as a hopeful sign. Maybe he thought of me as a kindred spirit. Yep, I said proudly. After all, we'd won a ton of awards. I really like the TV you've been doing, Steve said, giving my confidence another boost. Then, still looking me right in the eye and engaging me with his warmest smile, he added, the print is really shit. It was one of those moments when you can't quite figure out what you're supposed to do, and you have but a second to figure it out. For reasons unknown, I strained mightily to keep my happy smile going. Thanks, was all I could muster, realizing I just thanked the man for telling me that my work sucked. But somehow it was okay. There wasn't any malice in Steve's words. He was just being himself, and I was happy that at least the ice was broken, even though part of my ego was broken as well. I suddenly felt like I was going to get my opportunity to succeed or fail on my own merit. To be honest, it wasn't until years later that I thought back on this first encounter and realized how beautifully it foretold so many future meetings. I didn't think of Steve in terms of being nice or mean, approving or disapproving. He was simply being straight with me. The relationship we would have over the years ahead would always remain that simple. Steve didn't like complexity in his working relationships any more than he liked extra buttons on his iPod. Blunt is simplicity. Meandering is complexity. In the coming months, I learned that what I'd experienced was just the way it was with Steve. He was going to tell you what was on his mind, and he couldn't care less how you might feel about it. Few of us have the willingness or capacity to be this honest 100% of the time. It's not that we're devious. It's just that in certain circumstances we become discomfort-averse. We might want to spare someone's feelings or avoid being the one to wreck the positive vibes in the room. These things were non-issues for Steve. Whether you were friend or foe, the truth was the truth and his opinion was his opinion. It had nothing to do with whether or not he liked you or valued your contribution, and it certainly had nothing to do with the mood in the room. 
Having done my time with the marketing teams at Intel and Dell, I can only tell you that being on the receiving end of brutally frank talk isn't as common as you might think. Far more prevalent in the corporate world is the varnished truth, followed closely by the sporadic truth. For example, you may hear that a CEO thought your work had fatal flaws when in fact he had comments that could be easily addressed. What you're hearing might be more the messenger's interpretation than honest feedback. The middleman, in this case your client, might be seeing things through the prism of his or her own agenda. So you don't get the whole truth, your team goes off to rethink the project, and as quickly as that, complexity is burrowed into your business relationship and started to do its damage. When you work with Apple, you know exactly where you stand, what the goals are, and how quickly you need to perform. You're also aware of the consequences should you screw up. Clarity propels an organization. Not occasional clarity, but... Per-